You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I got to tell you that uh, the, the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. Jesus is in the room. Um, I think it's oftentimes that we can be in the presence of God and not even know it. Uh, you can be where Jesus is and not even recognize that he is there. Just ask the Pharisees. They never missed a Sunday. They never missed a day in the synagogue, and they memorized Scripture. They memorized the first five books of the Bible, and Jesus was standing there in front of them, and they didn't even know him. But how many people are thankful that Jesus is here today? I, I want to, I want to, I, I do have a message I want to share with you, but I felt like uh, the Lord wanted me to say something first. If you would just grab your Bibles and turn them to Judges chapter 6. Or turn your Bibles on. It will not be up on the screen. So grab your Bible or open it up on your phone. Judges chapter 6. And I want you to look at verse 11. And I want to talk to you about Gideon for a moment. Gideon was a man in Scripture who was uh, hiding because he was scared of the enemy. Gideon was a normal guy who had nothing special about him, but yet God wanted to use him. And Gideon was full of being disappointed by life, disappointed by leaders, disappointed by God, disappointed by everybody he looked up to. He was disappointed. And so he found himself licking his wounds, scared for himself. And this is where we find him. In verse 11 says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, not the Oprah, Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, do you thresh wheat in a wine press? No, you do not. This was a man who was trying to provide for his family by hiding in a place that the Midianites would not look for him. So he's full of fear. He is scared, and he's worried about how he's going to survive. Verse 12 says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you mighty warrior. Now I want you to pay careful attention to verse 13. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, or hold up. Like, I hear what you said, but let's just have a conversation for a moment. You said the Lord is with me and that I'm a mighty warrior. Hold on. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to me? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. I, I just have a sense, the Lord would just begin to speak to me during worship, that there's quite a few of you in this room who are asking this same question. And you would say, if God is really here, if God is really with me, 
then why did all of this happen? Why did my life turn out the way it did? Why did my marriage look this way? If God was really here, why did that leader act that way? Why did that pastor disappoint me? If God was really here, why is there pain still in my body? If God was really here, why have I not seen my family come to know the Lord? If God is really here, why am I getting frustrated day after day after day with this person and that person? And I feel like if we're not careful, we begin to create God in our own understanding. We begin to say, if I was God... I would have done it this way. And this is exactly what Gideon is saying. He's saying, I've heard about all the stories. Anybody here hear stories of healing? Anybody here hear stories of God doing amazing, wonderful, miraculous things? Anybody here ever wonder, so if he did all those things, why do I not see it today in my life right now? Because anybody here need to see something miraculous happen in their life today? And how many people are like, I love that you did all those. This is, he's talking to God. I mean, one thing if Gideon was talking to his spouse or to his father and like, hey, I, I, that's awesome. But he's talking to the angel of the Lord. And he's like, if you're so great, then why does my life look like this? This would be a a moment in time where I think Gideon would have cussed. And he'd been like, why does it look like this to the Lord? The way many of us have probably responded to God again and again and again. Finds him full of fear, scared. Now pay attention. I know you've been in church for an hour and ten minutes. This may be longer than many of you are used to being in church. But I want you to pay attention for a moment. Because I feel like if you're not careful, you're going to miss what the Lord wants to say to you. In the next five to ten minutes, Jesus is coming to you and he's finding you scared in a place you shouldn't be, right? He's in the wine press making bread. And Gideon says, or Gideon hears, that he is a mighty warrior and that God is with them. Today, Luke, Tiffany, throughout the whole worship service, you heard that God was with you and that you, he was for you. And I believe that there's many of you in this room who are like, Prove it. Prove it because my life looks like garbage. Prove it because I didn't feel it. I talked to a young man after first service. God moved powerfully in our worship time during first service. God moved powerfully the entire, he came up and he's like, I didn't feel God the entire time. I'm like, well, that's your problem because he was here. I'm like, isn't it amazing how you could feel the Lord and you're sitting right next to her and you feel nothing, but she's weeping and encountering Jesus. Why? Well, why, did, why, does that ha- why does it happen where two people, 20 people, 100 people could be in the same room? 10 of them feel the Lord, 90 of them don't. How, how does that happen? How does that happen to where we can hear all these experiences about how good God is, but yet I'm like, where is it in my life? Right? We all wondering the same thing. Right? And, and I'm reminded of the scripture. I actually have it in my living room up on a shelf. And it says, do not grow weary in well-doing. For if you stay the course, you will receive your reward at the right time. 
at the right time. First of all, there ain't no participation trophies. You don't get a trophy for showing up. You don't get a trophy for just showing up. But it says at its due time. If you do not grow weary in doing good, you will receive your great reward. Now, oftentimes we come to God because we think he's going to make our life better. And many of you probably heard a gospel message or a pastor stand up on a stage and tell you that if you just come to Jesus, your life will be blessed. You're going to have everything you need. Everything's going to be wonderful. That's not the gospel. The gospel is death to self, laying down everything and receiving Jesus. Yet we still hear you're a mighty warrior and God is with you. And you're like, then why do I see all this crap in my life? And Gideon says this to the Lord. He says, really? Because if I'm a mighty warrior and you're actually with me, then why don't I see all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? Why don't I see them? And then this is what the Lord says. He doesn't even answer him. He doesn't even answer the question. He says, go. Just go in the strength that you have and save Israel. So Gideon's like, well, if you were here, then why are we in this mess? And God's like, you fix it. You fix it. You got problems in your life? Your marriage is a mess? You're questioning leadership? You're questioning the church? You're questioning Christianity? You're questioning whether God is really for me? And God looks at him, he's like, Bro, you fix it. You go in the little bit of strength that you have left, in the fear, hiding in the wine press, and you save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? And then he asked me, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family, which is what we all do. We're like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't understand. I, I, I got problems. And I got a lot of issues. Anybody got some of those? Anybody got problems and issues in their life? Or am I the only one in this room? Great. Okay, the rest of you are lying if your hand's down. And we're like, hold up, wait a minute. I'm from the worst family in all of Israel, and I'm the least in the least family in the worst family in all of Israel. I got nothing. See, I don't, I don't think we realize, like sometimes we spend years feeling sorry for, I mean, Bro, I, I ain't coming at any of you this morning. I'm just being real. Can I be real for a little bit? Like, sometimes we just lick our wounds and we feel sorry for ourselves and we're waiting for somebody to throw us a little bit of a pity party to be like, oh my gosh, life is so hard. Can we just cry together? And we'll just get a little social group and we'll just get, gather around and we'll put our head on each other and we'll just be like, oh, life is so hard. And we'll just wait till God saves us. There's a song. So I normally never listen to the radio because there's a thing called Spotify. And... Um, and praise God. And, uh, but I happened to be driving somebody's truck. It felt great. I was driving somebody else's truck with a dirt bike in the back. I was like, this is what a man must feel. So I was driving into somebody's truck and I couldn't connect my phone. So I was listening to the radio and this song comes on by a guy that we've done his songs in our church before. And he sings this song about, I just can't wait to get to heaven so I can be free. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it's so, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard. I was like, what did you, this is what we do is we gather around like, oh, this is just so bad. I just can't wait so I can get to heaven 
and this will all be better. All the pain will leave my body finally. Uh, My relationships will be good. I can finally be happy, and no one will be mean to me anymore, and there won't be a president like the one we got, and it'll just be so much better if I can just get to heaven. Like, this this is what we do. (laughs) like my bills will finally be paid when I'm in heaven I'm not speaking to anybody this morning and we all sit back feeling sorry for ourselves because we think we think we're the only ones going through garbage first of all let me tell you some people are going through garbage since Adam and Eve baby their son killed their other son like it's been happening since the dawn of creation If we're not careful, we can be in a place like this, and God can be here, and you can sit there, licking your wounds with your hands in your pockets, not caring. Do you realize that you were not created to have all of your needs met, living a great life on a beach somewhere, like sipping a pina colada with all your bills paid and your kids running there and being perfect and never fighting? Like, you weren't created for that. You know what you were created for? You were created to walk in the supernatural and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, do the same works that he did in greater, to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, to be the spokesperson for Jesus here on earth. That's what you were created for. Yet oftentimes what we do is we allow all of our problems in our life to prevent us from the very thing we were meant to do. If I was the devil, I'd probably, I'd probably go to Luke's life and I'd be like, well, if I can just screw up his finances, make his wife be angry at him, screw up their love life, and make it so he doesn't really have any friends, he's going to be so frustrated with all the little things, he's not going to focus on the big things that he's called to do. If I can't get him to not believe in Jesus, I'll get him to just not do what he's supposed to do by getting so frustrated with all the other things. God, if you're really here, if I'm really a mighty warrior, then why does my life look like this? So we can all ask the same question. And God's saying exactly to you what he said to Gideon. You fix it. You do something about it. Christians are some of the best complainers. We are so good. Oh, man. Like, I can't stand that, that government official. Man, can you believe what this school is doing? Can you, and, and you know what? It's proven statistically that Christians, the church, is the most apathetic politically and socially in the world today. So we complain about it, but we don't actually try to fix it because we expect God to fix it all. We, we won't vote. We won't get involved in clubs. We won't get involved in political positions and school board positions, right? How many people know, have, you've read these studies, right? Because what we do is we sit in a corner and we feel sorry for ourselves and we pray that God would fix everything. And he's like, you fix it. Like, he's talking to you. So this morning, as we were worshiping, I just got a sense that as I was looking out at most people, that there was a real weariness and tiredness. There was just like, it's just a feeling of, man, why, why keep pressing through? Why keep working through this? I've been disappointed. I've been frustrated, just like Gideon. Like, really? Because if you're here... Why would it look, why would I have experienced, why, if that guy really loved Jesus, then why would he be acting that way? If, if that church really professed to know the Lord, then why did they treat me that way? If what my grandma told me was true, then why did my life look this terrible? 
And I, I just, I felt like the Lord was like, I want to, he wanted to break those labels and those lies that you've agreed with this morning. I don't want to spend much more time on this. And if that's you and you're like, man, you are speaking to me. I just want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray over you. I could just tell the whole room to do it because I feel like it's almost all of you in this room. But if that's you, stand to your feet. I want to pray over you. If, if you don't want, if it is you and you just want to stay sitting, that's okay. You could stay there. But I, I just, I really feel like the Lord wants to, to really help bring clarity to you that, first of all, you're not a loser and neither is he. And he didn't fail you. If we're being honest, those of you who are standing, would you look at your life and say, my life did not go quite as I planned it? Yeah? You would probably say, I pictured my life looking a lot differently than it is today. There's some of you that should be standing right now that are not. You can stand at any moment. And, and I feel like you, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. And you've got to get up out of your lazy chair, man up, woman up, and be like, you know what? I'm not going to feel sorry for myself anymore. I know you've got pains. I know you've got wounds. Jesus did not remove his, his wounds. He turned them into scars. When he came up out of the grave, it was his scars that proved the goodness of God. Your past, your disappointments are not there so that you can forget them it's so you can remember them look at what god got me through and i'm still standing i'm not defeated this isn't a motivational message this is to remind you that your wounds do not need to be forgotten some of you have had an abortion or you've cheated on somebody or you've been addicted or you've gotten divorced multiple times you've, you've done terrible things some of you have just made mistake after mistake after mistake pattern after pattern some of you have been praying for years that God would do something miraculous in your life and it never happened and you've lost faith and hope and you've just accepted and tolerated something in your life doesn't matter what it is you get to decide today, are you going to continue to be there in the wine press like Gideon? Like, God, if you were for me, my life wouldn't suck. Or you can be like, I'll go. I will go. I will go. So if you're standing, just close your eyes. Just put your hand even on your heart. Lord, I pray for the healing power of the Lord. God, I, I, I know there's disappointment in this room. I know there's pain and frustration question after question why after why God if you had been there if you had really loved me if you were really in my marriage if you really cared about my body if you really wanted me to be successful again and again disappointed 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 God this morning we release all of it to you God I don't need answers come on just say it out loud say I don't need answers I don't, come on, say it. If you're standing, say it. I don't need answers. Your ways, God, are higher than my ways. God, I do not walk by sight, but I walk by faith. So, God, this morning, I release the need to understand. I release the need to be validated. I release the need to prove myself. I release it to you. God, I'm not any longer going to find myself in the corner whimpering 
But I'm going to recognize, God, that greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. And, Lord, I receive healing today in my heart. I receive it. Just say it. I receive healing. I receive healing. I receive freedom in Jesus' name. I receive peace. I receive peace. Some of you have been let down by the church and pastors and leaders. I was talking to this young man after first service. And he just began to tell me how almost every church he's been to, people profess to know God, yet they denied him by their lifestyle. And he wouldn't believe me. He's like, why should I believe you just like everybody else? Right now, I, I don't erase memories. God, we choose to not let our experiences define the truth of God. We choose to not let our experiences of not being healed, our experiences of being disappointed by leaders, not define theology. You must choose it. The Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind is right thinking. It is peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. I feel like we could be done. Should we be done? <laughs> no, we should probably be done soon. This morning, uh, I, I, wa I want to be point, poignant. Am I saying that right? Thank you. Because this, this room, how many people here have been in church for like three plus years? Three plus years? Great, everybody in the room. Who here is a professional Christian? If you raise your hand, raise it again. Right? It just takes a little bit of time before you begin to get very familiar with how to do church. You can come into a place like this. You could show up at a prayer night. You could show up at an outreach. And you can do church because it's what you do. And you fall out of love with the Lord. Anybody here uh, know what I'm talking about when it comes to marriage? Anybody here know how to do marriage? And you fall out of love. There's a lot of people who provide for their spouse, show up every day, sleep in the same bed, and fall out of love. You can be around somebody and fall out of love with somebody. You can be in church and fall out of love with the Lord because you didn't come there to be with him. You came there out of routine which is exactly what we're talking about here with Gideon. Because if you don't cultivate an ongoing, personal, daily encounter with Jesus, you will find yourself out of love with him very quickly. I wanted to preach to you today out of 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. I don't have time to do it this morning. I wanted to talk to you about how we were created to be supernatural, how you were not designed to stay inside of the boat, but you were created to go outside of the boat. Do you realize that 11 disciples stayed in the boat and only one got out? One got out. Did you know Jesus did not get him out of the boat? Isn't that interesting what we just read about Gideon? Jesus did not get Gideon out of the boat or Peter out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat himself and then walked in the supernatural. In fact, Peter said, I want to walk in the supernatural. And Jesus said, then do it. That's really the conversation. He's like, Jesus, if it's really you, bid me to come to you. And he's like, then come. He didn't be like, thus saith the Lord, you shall walk on water the moment your right foot steps out of the boat and steps onto the water, and then you'll bring your left. There was none of that. He just like, then do it. So you all get sitting around like, God, if you really wanted to save Longview, you would do it. And he's like, you do it. 
And a pastor has to sit up here and try to convince you and prod you and encourage you, like, why don't you come to an outreach? Why don't you come to a new believers group? Why don't you come to belong and begin to pray for your city? And you're like, I don't really know if I want to. But yet you sit around and we complain about our community and we wonder, why doesn't my coworker know the Lord? And why does I work for a guy and he doesn't even love Jesus and it's terrible and I just can't stand this, my family and my, my neighbors. And we complain all about it. And he's like, you do it. Do something about it. We have the story of David. David is there as a young boy. The Israelites here and the Philistines there. We know the story well. And all of Israel is there looking at Goliath thinking, this is the worst it's ever been. Man, I can't believe we're in this predicament. Surely this is the end of time. Surely God's going to come and he's going to just wipe everybody out and save us because this is really bad. Never seen it like this before. Anybody hear a Christian say that in the last 24 months? Yeah, y'all laughing back there because you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And I bet you all the other Israelites came and watched and like, oh man, this really is bad. Like, this is really bad. This is terrible. I just, I don't know how we're ever going to make it through this. I don't know how we're ever going to make it here. Right? And David comes and David's brother, Eliab, says to David he's like oh I know why you came you came simply to watch the battle you came here just to watch it like everybody else because even centuries before Jesus came on earth most of God's people just watched the battle it's all they did they just watched it day after day on the bleachers in the grandstand celebrating the select few who would actually try to get outside the boat but everybody else all 11 stayed inside the boat because this is why we have vernacular in christianity like wow you're a superstar christian no it's just you got out of the boat and here comes david onto the scene and david looks at goliath and he says i want the world to know today that there is a God in Israel. I want the world to know that there is a God in this land. And David went and he grabbed some stones, which would have been a great title. David's got some stones. (laughs) And he went and defeated Goliath supernaturally. You were called to live supernaturally. You were not called to live natural. You are not normal. You are not normal. To live supernaturally requires faith, not confidence in yourself, but confidence in him. My Bible says that my God is able. It's not whether I am able or not. In fact, on my own, I can do nothing in the supernatural. But my Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, not against men, not against women, not against people in the church or people in politics. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness. So how do we fight in the supernatural? We fight supernaturally. In fact, this is how we're called to live. We're called to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. We're we're called to preach the gospel and to free the captives. We're called to lay hands on dead people and watch them come to life. This is what we're called to do. But we can't do that if all we do is wonder why we can't just get our bills paid. Let me show you this. David. David grabbed five stones. Some of you need to get five stones. Let me explain. David went to go fight Goliath. Why did he grab five? Most theologians believe it was because Goliath had brothers. So he grabbed five stones for 
Goliath and his four brothers. Before he even defeated the giant, he was preparing for the next ones. Why is that significant? See, this is one of the most powerful parts of this, of this scripture, and most people never talk about it. See, oftentimes, we can't even think about impacting our region because we're like, I'm just trying to not divorce my spouse. I'm just trying to not quit my job and freak out at my boss. I'm just trying to not get evicted from my apartment right now. You're talking about changing my city? I'm just trying to survive. And yet David grabbed five stones because he realized after this giant is killed, I know God's called me to a lot more. This morning, I want you to think a little higher. I know some of you will have some impossibilities facing you. You got frustrations and challenges in your life. You got disappointments. But it's time you stop just thinking about the giant standing in front of you and realize you're called to lead people. You're called to impact a region. You're called to be an initiator for people to encounter God, not just in this building, but wherever you might be. That's what you're called to do. You're called to walk in the supernatural, every single one of you. You're not called to stay in the boat any longer. The question is, is will you get out? You want me to tell you how you begin? You begin to get out of the boat by daily personal encounters with Jesus. Every day. Every day. Church here is your appetizer. I am your appetizer. Salt and freshy. I'm your appetizer to lead you to the entree. The entree is Jesus. Tiffany, as she led worship, she's your, she's your, your, your appetizer to lead you to Jesus. Church is just an appetizer. It's just there to point you to him. But if you don't meet with him, I have people come to me and they're like, but pastor, can you just, can you meet with me so you can help fix my marriage? My first question to you is going to be, what does it look like for your daily encounters with Jesus? Well, you know, I just, well, then don't talk to me yet. Start there. Hey, I just really wish God would tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, tell me about your daily personal encounters with him. Well, you know, I'm not, I just don't really, and I, you know, I haven't. Then start there. Two hours with me will get you very, very, very few steps far. But 30 minutes with Jesus every day will get you miles down the road. You need daily encounters with God. This is why the Bible says, pray this way. Give us today our daily bread. Man should not live on bread alone. This is why the Israelites couldn't eat yesterday's manna. They needed manna for today. This is why the priests in Leviticus couldn't burn the ashes of yesterday. They needed fresh firewood. You need encounters for today. You need encounters tomorrow. You need an encounter on Tuesday. Why? Because it says in there, I don't have time to read it, but it says Goliath came out every morning and every evening and reminded Israel that their God was going to be defeated. And every day the devil comes to you and reminds you what a loser you are. Every day you wake up and you look at your spouse and you think, how can I do this another day? You look at yourself in the mirror and you begin to hear, why am I so ugly again? You look at your bank account and you think, I'm still a failure. You look at your calendar no friends on there, nobody reaching out to you, and you're like, I am alone and no one cares about me. You, you come to church and you hear a testimony and you think, wow, must be nice. Every day, the devil comes morning 
in the evening to remind you what a failure you are. And if you don't have daily encounters with Jesus, you'll die on the battlefield or you'll run away and watch from the bleachers, never wanting to participate in the fight again because you're too scared to lose again. This is why so many Christians watch, watch the church try to change the world while you wait on the sidelines, watching a select few try to disciple people, watching a select few try to live a life of generosity, watching a select few trying to lead, lead the church is because you've been hurt, you've been disappointed, you've been let down, you've been, you've been called a failure too many times to get into that fight, so you'd rather just watch from the sidelines rather than participating. And you can continue to do that. You can continue to lick your wounds, you can continue to feel sorry for yourself, or you can say, my God is for me, who can be against me, I'm called to participate, not observe, and realize that the Great Commission wasn't a suggestion, but I'm called to disciple people. I'm called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm called to be a light unto the world. I am forgiven, and I am called, and I should not stay in the boat, but I need to get out and walk upon the waters of the supernatural. It's your choice. I do feel strongly this morning that the loss, that the times of being reminded that you're a failure have just depleted you. I bet you if I had each one of you come up and stand here and tell your story, it would be very similar to most people in this room. Pain, disappointment, hurt, victory i found jesus i thought my life would be better disappointment hurt improvement it's better than it was not what i expected disappointment let down frustration wow god is so great but it didn't last like i thought it would a blip on the radar a moment in time of freedom i thought i'd be free from this addiction by now i'm still not I'm struggling every month now I go back to it, but then at least God forgives me. I'm really not free yet, but isn't this better than it was? And we begin to tolerate it. My Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You can actually be free from every addiction in your life. You can actually be completely healed. You can actually have a marriage that is thriving and healthy and whole. You can actually be redeemed completely. You can actually have right thinking and not be depressed, anxious, stressed out, freaked out. Your kids can actually know the Lord. They can actually be in love with Jesus. You can actually have a home life where when you walk into your home, you sense peace. You can actually have dinner table conversations about Jesus. You can actually have relationships and friendships where they encourage you and promote life, where you're not disappointed every time you get together. You can actually have a job that you want to go to. You can have finances that are actually great and redeemed. You can actually have that. And he's coming to you and he's saying, hey, great and mighty warrior, I am with you. And you can respond and say, really? Because if you were, my life wouldn't suck. And he's going to look back at you and he's going to say, you fix it. That's the last thing most of you want to hear right now. Most of you want me to fix it, the church to fix it, God to fix it, somebody, just anybody besides you. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not, he's Mr. Fix-It Man, and he's the genie in the bottle, and he's Santa Claus and comes and grants all your wishes. 
The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is not, I will fix all of your problems. It is, I will live right and holy. It is peace, peace that passes understanding and joy, not happiness. Not, wow, my life is perfect, but joy regardless of what I go through. Jesus slept in the storm. In the bottom of a boat, he was asleep. There is peace that passes understanding. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There is joy, counted all joy in persecution. Joy is much different than we think it is. And this morning, I, I just, I can't get over it. I just feel like there's so much disappointment in this room. It would be foolish for me to talk about living in the supernatural if we can't just get over the disappointment. Because we'll try to walk on the water, we'll sink, and we'll be like, there, I'm disappointed again, and we'll never get out of the boat. How many times have we seen that? We've seen somebody step out in faith, see something miraculous happen, and all of a sudden the devil's like, oh, I'm coming after you. Slaps them aside the head, and then they fall away from the Lord. You're like, how did that happen? Anybody know anybody like that? Right? They're on fire, and then you don't ever see them again. Because passion is great, but commitment is better. Would you just stand with me? I just, I want to, I want to actually just provide some prayer for some of you this morning. We've got some people in this room who can, who can pray over you. And I, I just, even for those of you who stood earlier, I just have this sense of, dis even as Luke, Luke was up here screaming at you. Anybody remember that? That was about 45 minutes ago screaming loudly right and there were some of you who were listening to the screams and you're like just disinterested I get it you're just there's just disinterest and like it's great for you but I don't really want to and presentation okay you can art be like well maybe he shouldn't have yelled at me and I would have been more okay but you you've You've just created such a, like a protection, like this barrier of safety. I just don't want to get disappointed anymore. I just don't want to get let down and hurt. I'm just so tired of church. It's like this young man I was talking to after first service. He's just so frustrated by the church letting him down. He's so jaded. And I was like, didn't you feel the Lord? He's like, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. And I told him, he's like, I just read my word. And I was like, you know, the word of God is meant to point you to meeting Jesus. He's like, no, it's not. It's to, give me, it's to give me facts and figures. They don't talk about facts and figures and wisdom in church anymore. I'm like, it's all to point you to the Lord. It's the appetizer to give you to the entree. This morning, if you just feel, I just feel beat down. I just feel frustrated and confused. I feel a little neglected or I feel... I feel like I'm a failure. I just, I want to personally pray over you. And I just, I want to invite you to come forward. You may have already stood, and that's great. But I just, I just really sense there's, there's more in this area. And if that's you, I just want you to come out of your seat, come up. And I'm going to be down here. And I want to pray over you. And we can just have Jeremy and Luke and Nick, if you guys can just come up and pray. Just come up. If you need, if you need to be up here, come up here right now. If you, if you stood up earlier and you were just like, man, I just feel disappointed. Come up. Come up. Anybody else? I'm going to give you another moment. 
I don't want you to miss this moment. I just sense just frustration in the room. Like, I've been reading your sweatshirt like 20 times as I've been speaking. And like, the Lord is my shepherd. Like, if he was really my shepherd, then why am I in want? You know, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You're like, well, I got a lot of wants right now. The Bible says he leads me. He leads me through the valley of death. This morning, everybody who's come forward, look at me. This morning, many of you have made camps in the valley of death. You found yourself there and you're like, I guess this is my life. I'm in the valley of death. The valley of brokenness and hurt and pain. God is there to lead you through it. And this morning, we're going to pray that the Lord begins to lead you through the valley. We're not going to pray for the genie out of the bottle that all of a sudden you're like, wow. No, what we're going to pray is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You may be in the worst season of your life, and yet you can be the most free, the most at peace, the most joyful, the most righteous you've ever been. That's what we're praying for today. We're not praying that God comes and just fixes everything like Mr. Fix-It Man. What we're praying for is that you would know God and you would walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. Are you with me? So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, Tiffany's going to begin just to sing, and we're going to come around. We're going to pray for you guys, okay? We're going to prophesy over some of you. We're just going to, we're going to cry with you, and we're going to pray that you, that you feel his presence this morning. So just close your eyes with me, everybody in the room. God, I thank you that this is a place, a house of freedom. This is a house of transformation. God, every disappointment in this room, every moment of being let down, I just sense there's been abuse. Some of you have been abused by parents, people even in the church, verbally, physically, by spouses. Man, you've been lied to, you've been let down. Children have just said things to you that have destroyed you. People in your family have just said things again and labeled you. You are a failure, you'll never be enough. You're looking at your life and you blame yourself every morning. You've, you've woken up, look in your mirror, and you're just disgusted by what you see. Today, today it changes. God, I pray right now, I take authority over every lie of darkness, every lie of the enemy, every spirit of fear, every spirit of, of pride be broken in Jesus' name. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come, that hearts would be softened, that every area that is just been been hardened and been, been that we've tried to protect ourselves from ever being hurt again god we remove the barrier it's time to let your guard back down it's time to let your guard back down and receive healing this morning so as tiffany just begins to sing if you're out in the chairs if you would just begin to worship and just fill this room with praise I need you, if you're in your seats, I need you to be active and I need you to be a leader in this, mo in this moment. Don't wait to be led. I need you to worship and fill this room with faith. Amen. Amen. The rest of you who are forward, would you just close your eyes and open up your hands and we're going to come and pray for you. And we're going to believe that God's going to bring healing and freedom this morning. If you would just turn Tiffany and the keys up. Thank you.
just a part.